Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's word, fellowship, and prayer. Um, so, so guys, after, after conferences, uh, after special events, whatever it may be, we like to, we like to give space for, for testimonies to be shared throughout the congregation. Okay. And just like Sam did, um, in first service, we're going to do that here today. And, and, you know, uh, I think, I think Sam said it's, it's an obligation, uh, to, to do that. Right. Um, but in light of, you know, uh, Pastor Renault's message on, on night one of Mission Focus, you know, he talked about uh, creating monuments, right, that, that would remind us of the things that God has done in our lives. And, and that's, that's exactly what a testimony can be for a believer. You know, it's, it's the testimonies uh, of what God has done in our lives and in the lives of, of individuals who we know that, um, that can remind us, you know, you know, if you've, if you've not shared a testimony of even a small thing that God has done in your life, give it a shot. Share it with somebody one-on-one and see if it doesn't increase your faith. Um, I encourage you to do that. So um, we're going to hear from, from four individuals today, and, and they all know, you know, that they're, they're on deck to, to share what, what it is that they learned uh, from the messages throughout the last uh, few days um, so I'm going to go ahead and invite up the very first person who's going to do that, and that's Alvaro Briones. Hey, guys. Hi, hi, hello, hello. Hi, there we go, we're on. Hey, good morning. Uh, my name is Alvaro Briones, and I went to missions, uh, the Mission Focus Conference. So coming into the, the conference, I was at a place where, like, I was trying to figure out 2023, you know, like, okay, what's it going to look like? And my company gave me a lot of vacation. We're talking like four to six weeks. So I'm like, I know what it's going to look like, right? Like, I'm going to figure this out with a lot of vacation. Um, and then also in my quiet time, I was looking at the word grace because I'm in the book of Galatians. And it was the first morning of mission focus. I was invited to a meeting. And it was my quiet time. I was like, I don't think I understand what grace means. Because we're told in First Peter 3.18 to grow in grace. And I'm like, how do I grow in an unmerited favor? How do I grow in something I don't, I, could, I don't gain or receive for myself? How do I do that? Uh, and then, you know, one thing about mission focus is that we actually get to spend time with one another. And so after spending time, some time with Jake Bush, he helped me figure out grace, even though I'm a leader here. Um, and he just reminded me how grace also, it, we get grace by stepping into faith. Romans 5.2 says that we have access by faith into this grace and we're wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And so it's so powerful to know that God desires us to be full of faith, and he, he responds to that faith with grace in our lives. And that's what Mission Focus was for me. So that was me going into Mission Focus. And then during Mission Focus, God gave me two things. The first thing was um, I learned how personal the call of God is in Bartel's message. So this was the second night and the message is called Alone. And he was sort of challenging us, saying, hey, you know, you guys go to these churches that want to share the gospel, want to evangelize, want to tell the good news of Jesus Christ, but are you going to be the one man that, that takes up his cross and, and makes that decision? Are you willing to go alone, no matter who goes with you or what your circumstances is or are? And um, that was really personal to me because, you know, 
I, I think when I, when I think about the call of God, I think of it like this, and sometimes it can be so comfortable. Even though it's challenging here, as a leader even, I can find myself being in a place of comfortability, like doing things without, without really doing things. You know, looking like you have some form of, of work, but not really putting your, your best foot forward. And God was just challenging me with, hey, I know you do a lot of good things, but I want you to do the thing I'm asking you to do, you know? And I'm like, I'm like the ratatouille movie, like throwing spaghetti on the wall, like, like I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And I mean, whatever, whenever, how, however many things, but God is so orderly and God is so precise with our lives. And, you know, just like how he called me into salvation, he didn't call me into a church. He didn't call me into a religion. He called me into a relationship to a man, that being Jesus. And so it's just so cool for me to, for me to be reminded of that, that, you know, for um, my life, it's got to be personal. It's got to be what is, it, what is the Lord going to specifically ask of me? And then the second thing was just how valuable it is to hear his voice. And, and I think I just covered on this a little bit. Um, but yeah, just, just where am I going to be in 2023 to put myself in a place of dependency to hear his voice? And so like to bring it down to earth, um, going into Mission Focus, I was really excited about all that vacation time. But after hearing like testimony from Pastor Mike Renault and how his stream about being governor or senator or some big wig like got shut down, and then Pastor Ong driving a Bentley, I love Bentleys, like I love cars, I love Bentleys, and just like him giving that up for the mission, I realized that for myself, God's called me to personally give up my vacation time to go on mission trips, with the full assurance that I get to hear His voice. And I think, you know, sometimes I want to learn a process. I want to say, if there's a process, I'll follow that and I'm good. But God's so personal. He wants me to learn what his voice is for me. Um, and so that's, that's a sort of accountability moment right here. Just like this next year, I'm going to, my, my wife and I are going to give that up and go on mission trips. So we, we get to hear what his voice is like, but also get to hear no. You know, I think sometimes no is um, related to rejection, but I want to, I want to know that when he says no, it's, it's so he can make his calling in my life more specific to refine it, not so much just to shoot me down. Um, so yeah, guys, um, I think that's it. So thank you. All right, uh, Alvaro, thank you. Um, that, was, that was a great testimony in, 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 in a lot of different points. Um, you know, think very, very relatable things um, all throughout. Um, I just, I can't stop picturing you driving a Bentley, eating a plate of spaghetti. But anyway, that's probably not what we should take away from that. Um, thank you, bro. Love you, dude. Okay, um, next up, we have uh, Carly Weber. Let me get my password right. I wrote this down so that I could um, stay on track. So my name is Carly, that's in there. Um, this, is, this was my sixth mission focus. And um, in the beginning mission focuses, God has really like set down a lot of, or helped me set down a lot of stakes. And ever since then it's been more about like re refining and training um, for whenever God calls. And so, um, just to start reading, 
About a year and a half ago, I started leading two ministries that I hadn't previously thought about or didn't think it was time yet. Um, Bible study and a kid town class, first grade, if you wanna join. Um, the reason for this need was because of personal situations that took people away from Midtown. Um, it was heartbreaking and overwhelming, but God gave me a clear word that he has me in these roles and wanted to teach me how to function in his grace, 1 Corinthians 15.10. And understanding that hard work in this next season is a light thing to him, even if it didn't seem like a light thing to me. I knew the next months would be as close to a church plant as I would get at an established church, um, as the works were new and I was faced with gaps in investment to have to nurture life back into. This... Um, this is just what it required. So months turned into a year, and then a year turned into a year and a half. Um, and over that time, I've gotten more and more tired and frustrated um, that it's been taking longer than I thought for God to fulfill his promise in these ministries. I could tell my intimacy with Christ was fading slowly, but I couldn't tell why, and I could never get to the root. There was a lesson in front of me, and I was so desperate for God to show me. Um, I felt like I was just missing it. And in my quiet time before Mission Focus, God gave me James 4, 5, which says, Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth envy? I knew the word envy was for me. It pricked my heart, but I didn't know why yet. So I made it, meditated on it through Mission Focus. I was filtering my life through this word, trying to see where it, where it like clicked, where it was like, oh, that, that's it. That's where the envy is. God finally gave me clarity with Andrew's message about Caleb's waiting to be in the promised land. So Joshua 14, 7 through 11 says, 40 years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on the day, saying, Surely the land whereon my feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance, and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake the word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old, as yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now, for war both to go out and to come in. Um, so Caleb had to wait to go into the promised land, and it wasn't his fault. He could have complained or gotten bitter, but he didn't do that. I did, though. Um, these people left, and I was there. Um, sorry. Um, come on. So I let myself get bitter towards the people who aren't here anymore um, and let envy settle in for those who have gotten the sweet Bible study splits or who have quick and seamless transitions in ministry. I've adopted perspectives like I would love to spend hours in the Word like I used to or finally do the Word studies I've been wanting to do. But the ministry I've been thrown into has taken me away from that. But blaming them or the ministry is the wrong response because it is my fault. And God wants 
to take as long as he desires to fulfill his promise. Church plants take years of work and any fruit for, to get any fruit, and sometimes even more years to get leaders to go labor with you. I've learned that simplifying ministry is needed if that means more time at the Lord's feet. I'm more prepared for dealing with bitterness and things looking different than I expected because of mission focus. And I'm so grateful for an answer to prayer. Guys, it's been months. Um, I hope we can humble ourselves and stop blaming others for where God has us and lean in. And that's what God showed me. Uh, thank you, Carly, for sharing that. Um, yeah, I mean, God, every, every trial that God puts us through, every difficult, every seemingly difficult situation is, is, a ref, is, a, is an opportunity to be refined. Um, so, um, Carly, we love you. Um, and, uh, you know, we're in the first day of the new year, so I'm, you know, let's see what that refining, uh, that refining does, you know. Um, okay, next up. We got one of my one of my very very good friends coming up here, Lawrence Mack. Thank you. Uh, hey everybody. Um, like I said, I'm Lawrence Mack, and uh, I don't know about you guys, but uh, Mission Focus really fired me up. Um, it was it was just a a blast, a joy. I know the Lord worked through a lot of people, but uh, I get hype when I see Nick on stage rapping. And so <laughs> that was cool. Um, but one thing that really sat with me, uh, and I'll be touched on it, we, we, we touched on it in, in main service, uh, it was Jeff's message about his experience in missions alone. And it's not like I've always wanted to have a life of missions, but I really think that his, his message set with me because it kind of reminded me of my experience moving to Kansas City. Um, I mean, I didn't come here, again, to do missions necessarily, but it was a new place, new city, new people, and I, I definitely felt alone. Uh, and again, hearing him him talk and, and the things that he went through, uh, it was it was it was comforting to to just realize that, I mean, we have the same God. Uh, I mean, like, just like He's cured that same loneliness here with with you guys, um, He'll do the same over and over again, and that was awesome to me. Um, and it really. Like I said, it fired me up to 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 just want to serve, uh, whether that is a life of missions or church planting or just being used. Uh, I just wanted I, it. Just it. I felt like it got my heart posture more aligned, you know. Um, and so then I took that and and just kind of asked myself, well, how how can I apply that right now? And um, it was really helpful especially from, from Ms. Brooke to hear, I mean, just to be, be helpful to your leaders, your pastors, your Bible study leaders, your disciples, um, just finding a way to take that burden off of them and, and just 
having the heart for God's work, you know. Um, Pastor Renault really drove that home, I feel, for me. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a heart posture thing. And praise God that Pastor Sam touched on my, one of my favorite verses of all time uh, today, uh, Philippians 4.13, that I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And really, that's what's gotten me through a lot of my transition here and, and uh, any, any trials that I've ever experienced. And so just keeping that in, in mind, it was just another, it was just another reminder of, of um, the most practical thing that I can do is to just obey, you know, I mean, just to say yes to the opportunities that, that, that come along. Uh, be there, be like Caleb, and just be right there to be ready to, to say yes. And, uh, and so, yeah, so that's, that's, what touched, that's what touched me. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Lawrence. Um, so, so that that was that was an awesome testimony. Um, and, and and you know, Lawrence is, is right. The practical things that we can do right now are are the things that he just talked about. You know, it's like we're 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 truly called, and we say this, we say this all the time, but we're truly called to be missionaries right where we're at. You know, and what, and and you will be doing the same things on an overseas mission. It might, it'll look dramatically different, but all in all, we're doing the same things, right? We're we're doing what's put before us by God to accomplish His mission according to His will. And um, man, praise God, praise God for that testimony. Thank you, brother. Okay, last up uh, for our testimonies is Lisa Cheadle. Um, okay, so uh, on the first night, uh, Mike spoke on remembrance, how God in Joshua 4 commanded the children of Israel to take 12 stones and set them up to remember all that God has done for them, um, how he led them out of Egypt, how he brought them through the Red Sea and crossed over Jordan. Um, in chapter 6, he described how God's people would then be asked to circle the city of Jericho once a day for seven days, and by doing so, God would give them the victory over the city. As they circled the city, they would be forced to acknowledge how big and mighty Jericho was and how small and inadequate they were in comparison. Um, day after day, they'd wake up and do it again, the same thing, and they were asked to simply obey. As Mike also pointed out, all um, those 12 stones set up in chapters before would have likely been in view as they made their daily trip around the city. So as they obeyed, they would also remember. Um, obey in faith and remember his faithfulness. And that is how God intended it to be. Um, I didn't expect very much out of Mission Focus this year. Uh, I had our son, Lee Thurman, four months ago. and. Since then, my whole life has felt like a roller coaster going through a car wash. Like Mike used that example. I was like, that's been it. Um, my walk with God has felt very similar. Uh, I haven't been expecting very much. It's been easy to get swept away in the day to day and to neglect simple obedience. And not even just neglected, I've gone as far as doubting that it matters. Um, I've justified. Uh, the exemption of obedience altogether. Um, 
kind of approaching God of like, oh, you want me to wake up and you want me to walk around the city again? What will that even accomplish? Does anyone even care if I'm not walking with the rest of them? The group circling the city is big enough. Are you sure they want my faithless company? And the city looks impenetrable. And Lord, do you know how weak I feel right now? And all throughout the conference, the message remained obey in faith and remember his faithfulness. So when obey in faith, that means waking up and meeting with God because he's asked me to, because in him is life and light and he does have a word for me. That means trusting God for capacity to be a regular part of Bible study again, because fellowship is crucial and nothing good comes out of isolation. That means believing that God wants to use me to reach the lost in the city with the gospel and that he's put everything and that everything he's put in my hand he wants to use for his glory. And then remember his faithfulness. So there isn't time to lay 12 stones, uh, but I do want to lay a few. Uh, God loves me so much that he died for my sin and saved my soul. And I can never forget that. God, in his goodness and providence, led me to Midtown, where I have been a part of the most healthy, safest, loving, and envisioned body of believers, a place where I've learned to lead, have failed miserably, and have still been met with grace, a place where I can look back and see my disciples making more disciples in faith, a place where I met my husband, Miles, eight years ago, and have experienced the most incredible joy of learning what it means to follow him as he follows Christ a place our son will get to see what it means to surrender and serve Jesus with his whole heart. So while the daily task or the daily walk around the city might feel strenuous and the city he's called us to conquer feels impossible to reach, he's asking me to have his heart and see people from all over the world come to know him for the first time. And that is it. Okay, uh, thank you, Lisa, uh, for that very vulnerable testimony. Um, guys, so, here, you know, we're going to hear from Brandon uh, in just a minute. He's going to preach a sermon to close us out. Um, but but here, here's what I'll just say is that, um, you know, God, Jesus Christ, right, God uh, pursues us and pursued us uh, without relent, right, without relent. Um, and knowing that, knowing like, you know, how Alvaro talked about, you know, what the grace of God actually is. Knowing how relentlessly the Lord pursues us. Um, man, that, that, that's enough. If we truly understand that, that's enough to pursue the things of him without relent. You know, without, without seizing. There, there's struggle along the way, always. Um, but man, with, with, with the right with the right uh, reminders of, of what God has done in our lives, we can get past those things. We can. We can get past them every single time, and we can continue to pursue the things that are of the Lord because of his pursuit of us. Um, so, man, um, with, with the knowledge of our Lord, with the admonition of him, with the understanding of his love for us, and with, with, with knowing the truth of his promises that he gave us in his word, that he gives us in his word, um, collectively our testimony as we go into this year should be like you know we should remember today as is the day we decided that that 2023 
that, that, that whole year is for Jesus Christ and for the things that are of him. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray us out um, of this and then we're gonna, we're gonna hear from Brandon. Um, God, thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for these testimonies. Thank you for uh, the willingness to, to have, you know, of these individuals to come up and to share. And God, I pray that, uh, that all of us would be encouraged to, to share our testimonies of, you know, of what we've heard, of, of, of what we know of Jesus Christ to be true with, with each other and with people who do not know him. And, and I pray that we'd start doing that today at the first instance, at the first opportunity. Um, God, uh, just, we ask that you'd bless uh, Brandon, that you'd prepare him, that um, you'd take away any, you know, any nerves he may have, and that we'd, we'd hear from you through him today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, so, um, the first thing I thought about our time together today was like how exhausting it would be to be here and to hear one more sermon. Like, I think we're all pretty full. Uh, where's my thing at? Here it is. They switch the mic up each week, and it, and it uh, they each take some getting used to. My ears are really big, and they don't do real well with this thing. Uh, but, you know, you're, like, already so full of, of so many awesome truths. And then we got these testimonies, and so many of you can relate to the things that were being said today. And so... I really, I feel like uh, it's my responsibility to just have a conversation with you as best I can uh, and to boil down the mission for people just to its most basic components so that each of us can kind of find our way um, practically to a place of obedience today because the truth is mission focus, it concludes after we leave here in about 30 or 40 minutes and you're gonna go out to lunch, you're gonna say goodbye to some of our friends that are with us from other parts of the country and the world. Uh, we'll say goodbye to them, they'll go back home, uh, and we'll be back in our routines, doing our thing, and it would be very easy for us to uh, glean something spiritual from the Lord but not actually make real life application. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take all that we've, we've gained, we're going to boil it down, and we're going to ask ourselves the question, are we ready? Are we ready? Like a, a, what lays ahead of us in the coming week and the coming year? Are we, are we ready for what God has for us? And so uh, we're going to talk about that in the, in the simplest terms possible. Let's pray real quick, and then we, we will dig in. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you, and we're grateful. We're grateful for the testimonies. There are many more in this room. Lord, I pray that you would compel people to share their testimonies with their small groups, with their friends, with their disciples, uh, that they would verbalize uh, what it is you're showing them, and that way uh, they're more inclined uh, to apply it, uh, to understand it, but then also be held accountable uh, to the truths that you've shown them. Lord, I, I pray for our time together today that it would be practical, that it would be envisioning and that, Lord, that this ministry, uh, the College and Young Adults of Midtown Baptist Temple, would see themselves as critical parts of the mission, that they know that they're fitly joined, and that they have a role, that they have a responsibility, and that they have a mission that belongs to them that's very, very personal. It's not for this church, and it's not for, you know, the uh, Christians who've got it figured out. It's for them. Uh, they just have to lay hold and believe. And so uh, help us to, to see that and understand that today. Uh, use your spirit to convict us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's start, let's start with a very, very, very simple but difficult premise, okay? It'll be something that you're very familiar with, a truth that you're familiar with, 
but we are going to uh, try to understand it um, in, its, in its difficulty, all right? So this is, this is how it goes. The fir- first point here is we owe Jesus Christ our lives. Yes. We owe him our lives. And I think, I think we forget that because salvation for many of us, that's good enough. Uh, we, are, we are very content with what we've received, but we forget that we owe him everything. He came in the fashion of a man. He humbled himself. I mean, he became obedient unto death, the death that you deserved. That was your death to die. It was your eternal torment to take on. That, that belonged to you. But he interjected himself in the fashion of a man that you might be delivered from that inevitable circumstance. That's how good Jesus Christ has been to us. And so for those who receive in faith the gracious gift of his salvation, they are delivered from their sin and all the repercussions associated with that sin. Check out this verse. Romans chapter 5 verse 6 says this. You can follow along on the screen. For when we were yet without strength, anybody ever felt that way? In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely, for a righteous man will one die. You know, like, there's not very many of us in the world that would be willing to lay our lives down for someone that we love and respect. Like, we're not inclined to do that. Why? Well, because we're kind of selfish. Yet peradventure, for a good man, some would even dare to die. But, but God commendeth his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet filthy, undeserving of love, undeserving even of his attention, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. You're not going to hell because you received the gift of Jesus Christ. It's a big deal. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by death of the, the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only uh, so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. So here's a question for us. In light of the fact that Jesus Christ died for us, you know, we sang earlier today that in the Garden of Gethsemane, that he, when he was praying before the Lord and he was agonizing on our behalf, that he sweat uh, droplets of blood in agony because he knew, the re- he knew the repercussions of the decision he was making, the power of it. And he, he saw your face. He knew your name. He knew your sins. And he still went to the cross. He loves you that much. So here's the question that we need to ask ourselves. What wouldn't you do for the one who saved you? What wouldn't you do? See, the question isn't, what do I have to do for God? Which is how we treat God. Which is how we think about God. Well, what, what do I have to do for God today? Do I, do I really need to get up and go to church and serve? Because I don't fe- I'm not feeling it today. What do I got to do for God today? What's, what, is his, what are his expectations for me today? What's the checklist that God's got for me? Oh, I got to read my Bible, I guess. I guess that's what I'm supposed to do. I, got, I, got, I guess I got to go to Bible study tonight. I guess that's what I'm supposed to do. And we get stuck in this cycle. And the, the real question that we have to ask is, 
What wouldn't you do for the one that saved you from hell? No, the, the question is, what wouldn't I do? Because if you're a normal human being, you're going to be eternally grateful for being delivered from eternal damnation. Like if you're normal, and if you can actually see that with, with real eyes, if you're a soulish creature of any sort whatsoever, the one that dies for you, you would do anything for them. And it should produce in us a furious enthusiasm to do anything that Christ asks. Anything. So the natural response should be, oh gracious God, enlist me for your service because what you've done for me is that meaningful. Anything you ask of me is only small in light of what you've done for me. So that should be the first thing that we have to understand if we're going to boil this whole mission thing down. If we're going to make it simple. The next thing we need to consider is that we owe him our service. So owing him means using our body, our energy, our mind, our heart, our resources to do the serving. Right? There's a, there's a practical aspect. Look, he redeemed you because he loves you. Listen, listen, this is important to understand. He redeemed you because he loves you. He loves you. But because he loves you, that means that he also loves the world. He, he didn't come for just you. He came for the world. He came to redeem the lost world, the dark world, for his glory, to set up a kingdom, to establish a church with, with thousands and millions of people there. So the problem is there's a disconnect we think, well, God loved me so much that he sent Christ for me. He loves me. And I know that he wants to, to use me. But the connection that you have to make is that he wants to use you in the lives of people because he loves them too. <laughs> like the next natural step should be, oh, he loves me. He must love other people. And so what he's done for me, I need to replicate in my ministry towards others. If God wants souls, I'll give him souls. If he wants people, if he wants a kingdom, I'm going to work for that kingdom. I'm going, to, I'm going to strive for a harvest. I'm going to be in the business of people. His salvation in your life serves a greater purpose. And there's no way around it. We owe him everything. Now, God takes pleasure and he finds worship when he sees his children take his gift, the gift of love, and convert it into investment in the souls of other people. And this is, this is quite simple. You owe him your life. You owe Jesus your life. So you owe it to mankind to preach the gospel. You owe it to God. So you owe it to mankind because that's how, that's how God sees this thing. In Christ's economy, if you want to worship him the right way, then you will obey him at the level of his ask. And his ask is, go ye. That's the ask. Go preach. You owe it to God to care about the things that he cares about, and he cares about souls. Listen to how Paul addresses this issue of our obligation to seek and save the lost. Romans chapter 1, verse 14 says, I am debtor. That's the word he uses. That's the word that we need to hang on to. I am debtor. Not, well, listen, not to Christ, though he is, you understand. He is a debtor to Christ, right? He owes God everything. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, People groups, 
both to the wise and to the unwise, so as much as is in, is in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Right? The result is a desire because he, because he loves mankind, because he owes it to mankind, is to preach to them the gospel. That's the response. And everything else serves into that. Do you understand? Everything else serves into that. So, so like, listen, I know that everybody is, is fitly joined to this body, and everybody believes that they're gifted at different things, right? And so in small group, you might see it like, hey, it's my responsibility to be hospitable because I'm good at that. I, 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 like, I like entertaining people. I like having people in my home. I like setting up the chairs, right? I like setting out the drinks and the beverages and making the fudge brownies. And I like, I like greeting people at the door. I like hugging people. I like, I like hospitality. I like that ministry. Or I like, I like to serve people. I like to work for people. I like to do things. Someone needs something done, I'll come around, I'll help them. That's how I show them that I love them, that I care about them. But listen to me, at the end of the day, if you love souls, you will preach the gospel. You will preach. See, the goodness of Jesus Christ, it'll come out of your mouth. And there's so many of us in here, let's be honest. There's so many of us in here that have relegated our Christianity to showing up to church and being kind to people. But that's not what you owe God. You owe him preaching. So here's the next question. Are you willing to go and preach? Are you willing to live a life devoted to helping the helpless find their way to Christ? Are you willing to shine the light in dark places? Are you willing? And, and we made reference to this verse over and over again. We always do it at a missions conference, but no one actually read it, not one time, which blows my mind. So we're going to read Matthew 28 right now. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's boil it down. Let's make it simple. This is the ask. This is the ask. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, these are his disciples you recognize. Anybody in here consider themselves a disciple? Okay, not so quick, because you're signing up for something here. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And so because of that power, because of the power that he wields, that he bestows, he asks, go ye therefore. And teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. God uses individuals just like you, who are submitted to local churches, just like the one that you're in, to get this work done. Okay, so listen to me. You listen, I'm gonna this is a hard truth, especially to people who have visited often who are, or who are peripherally connected. Maybe you just started attending. This is gonna be a hard truth for you, but listen to me. God cannot get glory in your life until you've submitted yourself to a local church that will enable and train you to do the work that we're talking about. God does this through local churches. Well, how do you know that? It doesn't say that right there. Oh, oh, well, I've read the rest of the New Testament. 
and the entirety of the New Testament deals with local churches executing this plan. The Apostle Paul, he didn't go out to establish cells or like some form of satellites of the church, Antioch church. These weren't parachurch organizations that he was establishing. These weren't, they, they weren't just small groups, right? Like the reason that he went to these places, preached the gospel, made disciples, and then came back time and time again is because he was concerned about the health of local churches. Because if they're not healthy, they won't be doing this. So God wants to use the local church in your life. So if this is not your church home, that's cool. I'm not worried about that. What I'm saying is you need to find a church to get rooted in so that they can train you, disciple you, and enable you for this work. This is what God does. Now listen, you can tell whether or not a church or person is concerned with the things of God by their behaviors, by their actually, actually the way that they behave. Now, okay, now let's get even more personal, all right? I'm trying to make this real. Let's, let's, talk, let's talk honestly with each other. When you come to church on a Sunday, people can tell by your countenance and the way that you act whether or not this is important to you. Right? When you show up and you're setting up for hospitality or you're, you're in kid town and you're scrambling to get your classroom ready or whether you're preparing for Bible study, your countenance and your behavior and the way that you express yourself as you do ministry, people know whether or not this is important. Because if this is the mindset, well, you owe God everything so there's no reason for you to gripe and complain or be frustrated or disappointed or upset or tired or, or you know, exasperated with people or feeling hopeless or, you know, whatever it might be. There's no reason for you to feel those things because you're willing to die to yourself in the way that you feel in light of souls going and having opportunity to teach and preach and disciple, to raise people up. The opportunity to play a small role in that is enough to brighten your soul and make you joyous at the opportunity. It's got to be that way. So the way that you behave and the way that you, uh, you, you act and the way that your character is reveals whether or not this is important to your life. There are disciplines and behaviors associated with a Great Commission culture. And that's why we talk about pray, prepare, give, go. Because that is the culture associated with healthy believers living out the Great Commission. And so let's talk about these things real quick. The first thing is pray. We are a church of prayer. Why? Because we believe that prayer serves the Great Commission. We believe that when we pray to God and we converse with him and we align our will with him, and we pray back to him the things that he desires and he wants from his word, those promises that he gives us. When we lift those things up to him, he begins to execute those things in our lives because he wants to know that his children's hearts are towards him. He wants to talk to you about the things that are important to him. Listen to the request that, that, that Paul makes here in Colossians chapter 4. He said, Master, give unto your servants that is, is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. Continue in prayer... And watch in the same with thanksgiving. 
with all praying also for us. Like, hey, hey church, church in Colossae, pray for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds. Okay, this passage speaks to all the things we've talked about so far. I am in bondage to Christ and the gospel because I owe him everything. Now, because of that, I'm gonna make a request to you. Would you please pray that I would have opportunities of utterance to preach the gospel? Because that's my heart's desire, and I know that that's what my God wants. Listen, y'all, are you praying for souls? Is there a culture of prayer in your life? You know, sometimes I think about Kaya, and I recognize this, and I I accept this. The other pastors accept this. We recognize that this is kind of, this class and this time together is a bit of a funnel towards other things. Like we know that people come and they visit and they, and they spend time with us on Sundays and it might be months before they decide to join a Bible study. And it might be months beyond that that they choose to, to sign up for discipleship or attend main service. But I want to make, I want to make, I want to challenge you a little bit right now and I want to ask that, that some of you are at a place right now in your walk with Christ where it's time for you to grow in your prayer. It's, and it's time for you to grow in your corporate prayer, the, your, your time that you spend with other people praying. Now, we have a midweek prayer service on Tuesdays. And it's time for some of you, what maturity looks like for you is saying, I'm going to start going to that prayer meeting because I want to learn to make prayer a priority in my life. Look, I know, like for some of you, that's a, that's a, that's a big decision. You're, you're busy, you know, you're figuring it out. But Paul makes, makes a priority of prayer because he wants to be used for the Great Commission. And you too, if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, should want to make prayer that your life might be useful for the Great Commission. The next thing is this, preparation. We talk about prepare. 2 Timothy 2.15, you know this, a lot of you do. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. Okay, so you know that there's a responsibility as a Christian to study the Bible. But you don't do that for vanity's sake. You do it to show yourself approved. Approved unto God. Proven out before the living God. Like you, you get in the word to, to, to learn of who God is and to be approved in his sight. Now, not gain his favor. You got that at salvation. Right? He loves you. He's bestowed everything upon you. But we send proven people to do the work of missions. Like there's something to proving things out and being approved for the work. And so again, let's, let's make it as simple as possible. For some of you, that means the, the, the next step for you is to find a Bible study so you can learn how to study the Bible. And so that you can be accountable in God's word week by week. That's, that's what you need to do. Others of you need to sign up for discipleship. Listen, it's, listen, here's the whole point of what I'm trying to make here. Is it's not good enough for us to come to this conference and to sit through that and say, yes, I know that God's doing something in my heart, but then not make an actual decision when we leave. To not say that there's something more to this than what I've been doing. There's something more to this Christianity than what I've been pretending it is. My eyes have been opened to the next step of faith. So some of you, that's discipleship. For some of you, you need to stop explaining away why you don't do LFBI. I get it. You're busy. 
I mean, I don't know if you caught what the last service was saying, but there is a moment, a point in time in which you are going to stand before Jesus Christ and you are going to give an account for your life. And when your whole life is replaying, you will have to, you and Christ both will have to point out the moment where you said you were too busy to learn the Bible. You will, ha- you will have to explain that. And so my point is, is even if it's a, it's a minor effort, make the effort. Because it's time to get prepared. Prepared for what? I don't even know. Get prepared for what? Prepared to just talk to your coworker about Jesus. Prepared to talk to a classmate about Christ. Prepared to, to, to answer the questions that your aunt has at Thanksgiving about she heard that there's contradictions in the Bible. Like, be prepared. So many of us are not. I'm not telling you to jump ahead 10 steps. I'm saying, what's the step in front of you? Take that step. And look, I'm not checking in. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not going to make sure that I, I'm not trolling all of you on, on Facebook and Instagram to find out where you're at spiritually. I'm not reaching out to your parents to find out whether or not you've been to, to, to Bible study this week. I'm not doing that. No one's got time for that. Listen, it's at the end of the day, listen, you're alone with God. At the end of the day, it's you and God. <laughs> you don't answer to me. You answer to him, and it's cool. I'm, I'm cool with that. You need to be cool with that. You need to make decisions that help prepare you for the work. Some of you are talking about church planting after this week. Okay. Over my dead body. I mean, if you, if you, can't, if you, if you flunked the last four LFBI classes, I don't know. But that seems like an evidence that you aren't ready for something. Like if you can't be a steward with sitting down for an hour and a half to two hours a week to study the word, like if you can't be responsible for that, I don't know, I'd have a hard time sending you to Nairobi, I suppose. Because the inevitable says that when you get there, you might be a a poor steward with the responsibilities that you'll have when you get there. Does this this make sense? Hard stuff, okay, hard stuff. I I apologize, but we got got to make it real. Okay, what about giving? Uh Uh-oh. All right, so this was the testimony of the Macedonians that they faithfully served and contributed financially to the work of the ministry. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, we do, to wit, uh, do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they, they were willing of themselves praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. In other words, the Macedonians were like, please take our money. And Paul was like, man, we don't need your money. We're cool, it'll be all right. You guys, are, it's, you guys they're an impoverished people, right? And, and in their poverty, they chose to give anyway. And, he, and Paul's basically saying, I was content with their service. I was, I, was so, I was pleased that they were just serving the Lord. And then they make this sacrificial gift. Why? Because they wanted to further the work that Paul was doing on the mission field. 
They wanted to further that work. And so what about us? What kind of excuses are keeping us from giving sacrificially? Look, and I know we've t- you talk about the tithe in discipleship. You talk about the giving of the 10% and how that, that came even before the, uh, the, uh, the law, right? And that the believers that, that follow the truth of God's word have been giving 10% like from the beginning, like Genesis beginning. Like that's what, that's what Christians have done for 2,000 years. That's what Jews were doing for, for 4,000 years before that. That's what we do. And we talk about that. <clears throat> but, but listen to me. Some of you, it's time for you to, to give sacrificially. And I say that, like, it doesn't benefit me to say that. You know, they always think that the pastor's got up something up their sleeve when they talk about giving. Listen, that doesn't benefit me at all. We owe it to God. The the objective of our church is to make 50% of our budget devoted to missions and church planting. You understand? 50% of all the money that comes in, our desire. Listen, it's rare that a church tithe to missions. It's rare that a church give 10% of their budget to missions. But our church's objective is to give 50% of what we bring in to people who are doing the work just like Paul was. Oh, and it might hurt. It might be difficult. Are you willing to do a difficult thing to make sure a difficult work gets done? Are we giving? And are we going? Acts 1.8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and into the uttermost part of the earth. And, and for those of you who are familiar with this passage, you know that each of those places represent um, a, a further and further reach, right? Jerusalem being the home base, right? Like for us, that would be Kansas City, where we're at right now, where our local church is. And then Judea would be like the region surrounding. And then Samaria would be like to the people groups that are slightly beyond what we understand culturally. And then to the uttermost would go way beyond that. And that would, that would be us looking to the world internationally. Right? You get that, right? So there's a, there's a parallel to even our own reality. And here's the deal. Are you going to your neighborhood? Are you going to your classmates? Are you opening your mouth? Are you doing the work? Are you willing to go on missions trips this year? Are you willing to sign up for a short-term trip? Are you willing to go to other places? Are you willing to consider whether or not you might one day have to pack up your whole family and move them to another place in the world? And here's the deal. What's important is that we simply ask the question. Where you're doing the work, it ultimately doesn't, really make a difference as long as you're doing the work, the, the work of the Great Commission. But if God tells you that you're supposed to go somewhere else and you're not ready to receive that, you will waste his plan for your life. And so we have to be ready to go. Now, as we learn to live this way, we must consider the things that tend to get us hung up. And I hear them all the, all, all the time, right? Among people that, that I serve with, uh, among this group right here, I hear things that, that cause people to get hung up on these, on these issues and these topics. And the first one is just real simple. It's, it's faithlessness. It's faithlessness. People struggle to have faith. The screen is strobing out on me over here. 
Are you faithless? Very few of us actually have the faith necessary to believe that God wants to use us and will use us. Like if we're really honest with ourselves, we think to ourselves that that God doesn't even want to use us. So here's the question for you. It won't be up on the screen, so listen to me. Do you believe he can use you? Do you believe he can use you? Like, is it possible that he might be able to use you? Because you say to yourself, well, I'm not that gifted, or I'm, a, I'm an introvert, or I'm quiet, or I'm better at this, or I'm better at that. Do you believe that he can use you? We go to church, we do discipleship, we worship, we love God. But we don't preach the gospel to the people in our lives. That's hypocrisy. That, that's hypocrisy. We live a silent existence because we don't actually believe that God is paying any attention to what we're doing. That's the problem. You don't, you don't believe that God's watching, that he's taking account. And you've forgotten that he died for you with a purpose. He wants to use you, he desires to use you, and he can because he's God. And you don't have to be perfect. The other thing is just fearfulness. Some of you are afraid. Afraid to open your mouths. You see the burden. You see the necessity of it. You, you yearn to do it. But we have a long list of arguments why we can't. Oh, I'm not ready yet. I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm not articulate enough. I've failed too many times. My character is not what it should be. I've got things I need to work on first before I start obeying God at, at, at the level of the mission. So here's the next question is, do you believe he cares for you? Now, now that seems like disconnected, but, but it's absolutely relevant. It's absolutely relevant. Do you believe that he cares for you? See, many of you have forgotten that his grace was strong enough to save you despite the fact that you're a failure. His grace was strong enough to do that. So his grace is also strong enough to make use of you despite your failures. It's grace that saved you, and it's grace that put you in ministry, and it's grace that will get you on the mission field one day. It's grace that will get you there. So quit saying to yourself, well, I'm not married yet. Let God work through that. Or quit saying to yourself, I'm afraid of other cultures. I'm afraid of what I might lose. I'm afraid of not having a good job. I'm afraid of it costing a lot of money. I'm afraid that I can't speak. I'm afraid that I might not be a help. I'm afraid that I might be a drag on the work. Listen, don't let shame and self-hate create a gulf of, of convenience between you and God's mission. Don't let your shame and self-hate create a gulf of convenience because that's what it is at the end of the day between you and the mission that God has for you. Look, it's okay to be aware of weaknesses, but it's not okay to be a prisoner to them. We aren't qualified. We're not. We're not qualified. But it's the unqualified that God's chosen to enlist. The fact that you're unqualified makes you qualified. It's a paradox I can't explain. He uses the lowly. He uses the broken. He goes to the byways and the highways. He uses the publican and sinner. He uses them. 
So you've got a story. But God cleaned that story away. So we got to stop being afraid. And we've got to stop. We've got to stop losing our focus. That's the third thing. We have a failure to focus. And this might be, you know, for a lot of us, this might be maybe the biggest one. We all struggle at varying degrees to focus our mind and our heart. And there are so many things that steal our attention, aren't there? Every single day, the stupid shows and movies you watch, we all know it. We, we, every sermon has this stuff in it. Somebody need to mention Instagram one more time in a sermon? You, you guys are freaking, you stare at TikTok for hours on end. You, you, you have no attention. It's the nature of it. Embrace the fact that you have lost your ability to, to attend on things for long periods of time. And because of that, you've lost your ability to prioritize in life. It affects you. It affects the way you make decisions. You drag your feet on things that 50 years ago, people your age would have been decisive about long ago. You sit and you twiddle your fingers because you're inattentive. So here's the question for you. Do you believe he deserves to be the priority of your life? Does he deserve? And of course he does. If his mission is our focus, then we will see, we will see that exemplified in the way we spend our energy. We will see, we will see that his mission is our focus in the way that we spend our energy. Many of us say that we want to live the mission of Christ, but then refuse to prepare ourselves for the work itself. We get distracted while we're in LFBI, you know, something comes up, so you miss three weeks of, of study. You know, it's just, it's just like us to do that. It's just like us. It's just like us to not be prepared for Bible study or when we should be getting ready for discipleship, you have discipleship the next day with your disciple. And instead of looking over your notes and being ready, you stay up late watching some stupid thing or playing a game. We're children. We're children into our 30s and 40s. We're, I mean... I'm pretty sure that Paul said, when I was a child, I spake as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And some of you need to freaking put away childish things. You need to delete some apps on your phone and you need to throw your PlayStation 5 out and stop caring about dumb crap. Does he deserve it? It's like an athlete who comes back from the off-season. This is how we are a lot of times. We're like an athlete who comes back from the off-season and tells all the sports media how ready they are for the season. But during their time off, they gain 30 or 40 pounds. Don't say you're ready for God to use you if you aren't preparing for God to use you now. Don't pretend like you want to do his work if you're sitting around being lazy. Anticipation pr produces preparation. That's what it does. And this is why our spring retreat is going to focus its attention on stewardship, because some of us need to learn to be good stewards. So this year's, uh, this year's March uh, spring retreat is going to be sermons and workshops on stewarding your finances, stewarding your quiet time, stewarding your schedule. We're going to, do, we're going to show you how to produce a schedule that allows your life to look balanced because some of you are so out of balance. And so we're gonna do all this stuff because we've gotta start aligning our lives in such a way 
that reflects the fact that we're actually focused on the mission and not just pretending to be. We've got to become stewards of what God's given us. So listen, Kaya, listen. There's a new semester, right? It's just, it's just a couple weeks out. The room will be full of visitors from campuses, people that you meet from school. There'll be new FOI events to go to. There'll be new activities. You'll be back to marching around on campus, handing out invitations to your Bible study. You'll, you'll be back to doing the things that we do, but listen to me. Don't let all of that activity be hollow obligation, empty duty. Choose to be focused on the mission. Why? Because you love him. Because you love him. Because he died for you and you love him in return and your obligation is the byproduct of your love in return for his love. So let's go win souls. There's nothing stopping us. There's nothing keeping us from going out and winning the entire city to Christ. The only thing that would keep us from doing that is the sin that you're holding on to and a failure to believe in God. Let's go do it. We're in a season right now, guys, I'm, in, I'm expecting that in 2023, we're going to see a lot of transition. I believe that, that we're going to see people move and shift in roles. And I want to say something real quick. There's a group of, of 40 Bible study leaders in here that are growing, and about half of them are ready to go church plant. And then there are, there are a smattering of other leaders and other responsibilities. There's probably 15 to, to 20 other people who, in our ministry who are also ready to go do that kind of work. I'm expecting over the next few years, we're going to actually really start to see God moving people out of this ministry and putting them immediately on the field. So what that means for the others of, of us in the room who are growing in our leadership, you better be ready. Because God's calling your name, just like he did with Carly. In a split second, you might find yourself in a leadership role that you would have never expected. Anticipation produces preparation. Are you ready? Are you readying your heart? Are you readying your life? Are you focused? Are you laying in bed at night thinking about souls? Are you praying to God? Are you asking him? Are you giving to the mission? Is it consume you, right? This is where we got to get to. This is where we got to be. So I'm going to invite... Um, David up. I'm going to ask that he would uh, reprise the uh, I Will Go song, that we will do that again. I think that's the song we need right now. But I'm going to pray, and here's the, this is what I'm going to ask of you. There's going to be leaders up here, but if you haven't made, if you haven't verbalized the decision before the Lord yet during Mission Focus, and you know there are decisions that you need to make, and maybe you heard yourself in some segment of the, of the, of the sermon today, Come forward and pray with someone. And let's, let's, let's set the landmark right here. Let's put one of those landmarks. Let's lay it down right here so we can look back to it and say, this is what, the, this is what mission focus looks like for me. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this time. Um, Lord, I, 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 uh, I recognize, I, well, actually, going into this, Lord, I didn't anticipate that this would be such a, a difficult 
or pointed sermon. Um, so Lord, I, I pray that, that it was your spirit that led it this direction. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would work, <laughs> that there would be people in the room right now that would see themselves as needing to make decisions that, uh, that nominal Christianity is not gonna be for them. And uh, getting lost in the shuffle of ministry and just being a member at Midtown Baptist Temple is not gonna be enough for people. That they're gonna see themselves as integral to the work of your, of your mission. And so Lord, um, I know you don't need any of us, but you want all of us. And so Lord, I, I pray that you would show us how to want you back. <laughs> I mean, we need you and we want you. And so Lord, show us how. Help us to make hard decisions. We pray in Christ's name, amen. We hope that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in his word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.live.